welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and today I am delighted to be joined by Mark Majewski-Anderson, the Director of the Research and Innovation Office at GCU, to talk about social innovation and how it ties in with our mission as the University for the Common Good. Mark, thank you very much for speaking to me today. It's great to have you with us. It's fantastic to be here. Thanks, Craig. I want to start with quite a broad question, Mark. What do we mean by the term social innovation? I was afraid you were going to ask that. Okay, so I think I think we need to take take one step back and just start with innovation. And innovation is one of those words that everybody uh, has opinion about what it means. Is sometimes contested, and a lot of people actually make a whole living debating what it means and how it can work. I lived in Spain for a number of years, and I, I was a translator. And when you're a translator, you learn that the meaning of words change completely depending on the context. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we're going to look at words and how how what they what what they mean, we have to first sort of think about where we are and the context that we're in. So I'd like to sort of start off by saying that innovation has a lot of different meanings. You know, some people think, oh, it's doing something new. Some people might think it's um, uh, commercialization. There are lots of different nuances, but I see it from the university context. And for me, the university context is really about we in universities are responsible for developing knowledge. And the knowledge we develop could be through research, could be through teaching, but basically we are about developing knowledge. If that knowledge remains internal, if it stays in my head, if I have a fantastic invention for a flying car and I dream about it and I work it out and I don't do anything, then it remains in my head and it's valueless. It's no different to any fantasy. So, I think, and obviously everybody will, will have their own opinion, there'll be many people who disagree with me, but the way I see it is that innovation is the way that we take this research and give it value. We take this knowledge and we give it value. And we do that by externalizing it. We might write about it and then it, it has a bit of value, but, but very often under the kind of, I guess, the model that's been really kind of Um, shoved to universities over the last uh, 30 or 40 years is that this knowledge needs to be protected through intellectual property and we need to commercialize it. We need to license it or we need to make agreements with companies or we need to start a company, a spin-off company. And so the whole world of innovation in within universities is very much predicated around this. And, and I guess a synonymous expression is knowledge exchange. So you might have heard about, um, you know, once we called about technology transfer, knowledge exchange, all this thing is about how do we externalize that knowledge? How do we give it um, value? Now, all of the, the kind of instruments and, and offices like my own in universities are predicated on um, giving commercial value to this knowledge. So it's worthless, and then we can make a few million by commercializing it. And governments have used this, and, and, and it's part of the whole structure of financing universities. You know, 
And, and unfortunately, there are a lot of universities, I would say probably most universities, who are putting a lot of money into innovation, but actually not making a lot of money. So uh, it's kind of counterintuitive. But more importantly to me, and this was something I can remember way, way back, say nine or 10 years ago, when working in Latin America and working on projects that were helping them to become innovative, creating IP. And, and, and I was thinking, but we're in Bolivia. This really doesn't, what they really want is they want knowledge to help their, them socially. The, 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 the poverty, the health problems, uh, the ecological problems. And actually, you know what? We also need to do that in Glasgow, you know, because it's not like Glasgow doesn't have societal problems. Yeah. So then that's when I started becoming interested. And, and I'll confess, I just used good old Google thinking, <laughs> I like innovation, but I want to think more about society. And lo and behold, there was, I guess, this, this concept, social innovation, which was, was really around 2010 was becoming more and more prevalent. And then governments, the European Commission adopted social innovation. We're saying, yes, we think this is important. It goes hand in hand with things like impact. You know, research now, we are expected to have impact with our research. It's not good enough to say, hey, I've published in the best journals. We have to be able to show that we've got impact. And, and I think social innovation is absolutely intrinsic to that. And I also think that whereas a university like, and I don't want to um, name names, I should let's say <laughs> University of Clyde, for example, can say, yes, we're fantastic innovation. It's all about the companies and the, and, and, and the money and the IP and the protection. But there's this other area, which I think GCU with the common good, with everything that we've been doing, under some inspirational leadership, I have to say, um, has been absolutely on point in terms of social innovation. So to me, the idea that, that the university has taken this as its central mission is really just a confirmation of what it's been heading towards. And I think that confirmation is really exciting because it means that we can, we can stand up and be counted and invest in it and really take it seriously. That's an excellent answer, Mark. Thank you very much. That really clears up my misconceptions and misunderstandings about social innovation. But can you give me some well-known examples of social innovation from Glasgow, from the rest of the UK, from around the world? Examples that perhaps might be familiar to our audience. Okay, so th this is a really interesting question as well, because there are a lot of people that have a confusion and maybe an unnecessary confusion between social innovation, social enterprise, social entrepreneurship, etc. And I think as I've described it, I see social innovation as a, as a kind of as a process. And the end point could be a social enterprise, but it could equally be something that isn't a social enterprise, just as an innovation can end up as a as a company, a spin-off company, or it could end up as a license, or it could, et cetera. So, um, so I think that if we're looking at social innovations as knowledge that's then converted into something that's good for the world, there are some really interesting and very famous ones. And I don't need to go further than, say, Muhammad Yunus, who realized, yeah. this, you know, microcredit. This is a much better system than than kind of giving people handouts. 
But then you can have things like, I mean, Wikipedia, what a fantastic idea, you know, the idea that people feed in knowledge and everything like that, and, 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 and it becomes exponential. Uh, fair trade is another one. So, so I'm giving you examples purposely, which aren't social enterprises. One of my favorites, and it's not particularly famous, but I think it's, it, it, it's a really good example of how uh, something that, that, that is quite simple, but is really neat. So I think it was Milan had a big problem with, um, well, it had a dual problem. It had an aging population that were often lonely and isolated. And it also had a real shortage of housing and a, a lot of students especially coming in. So what they did was they, they created, I mean, I'm going to put it very simply, but behind this, obviously, there was quite a lot of preparation. They basically match made of the students with um, uh, the older population who became, and they lived, they were able to live with the, um, the, the um, population. And obviously they were paying reduced rent or no rent, but in return, they were helping with the problem of isolation of the elderly. So it was a really, really neat kind of example, I think. And that was, that was, that came out of the uh, Politecnico de Milano. Very, very nice, nice, neat social innovation. But, but also, you look in Scotland, we've got some fantastic Social Bite, which is uh, um, an organisation of, of cafes for homeless people. My favourite, actually, is Invisible Cities. If anybody doesn't know about Invisible Cities, look it up. It's uh, uh, run by a, a girl called Zakia um, in Edinburgh, Glasgow, and I think it's now gone to Manchester and other cities, where they, they take homeless people and the homeless people become tour guides. Um, but they give you a tour, which is absolutely unique because it's not just a tour of, you know, and this is the statue of Robbie Louis, Louis Stevenson or whatever. They will say there's there's the statue. And oh, well, that you see that alleyway there. That's where a lot of the homeless people. So you see that over there, that's where. The, and he has such an interesting kind of angle on 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 the city. You get to know it as you wouldn't in any other context. And that's a it's a really beautiful social enterprise. And the guides are fantastic. One of the best days I've had. A lot of stuff you're talking about here, Mark, that really does tie in with our mission as a university for the common good. A absolutely. I, in, and and you know, I, as I said, I don't think it's it's something that I think a lot of people think. What is this social innovation thing that's been imposed on us? Uh, social innovation is something that we've been doing, and and I think it's really important as well. And this is nothing against my my friends who are social scientists, but I think a lot of people think, oh well, social innovation. That's about social sciences. Social innovation can be studied by social scientists, but social innovation is done by people who work in health. I and mean, look at the fantastic work we, that, that our, our health um, school has been doing in terms of podiatry, in terms of social work, in terms of nursing care. Incredible, incredible alliances with their communities. This is this is kind of social innovation. Engineers, engineers are absolutely crucial in for social innovation. And if you look at our, our center of climate justice, fantastic example. So, so I think that that's for me that's really important to underline. This is not about social sciences. Now, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals underpin our research strategy, and they're going to underpin the strategy 2030. How does social innovation tie in with the SDGs? I think you probably won't be surprised to say that the SDGs and social innovation are almost kind of like part of the same approach to the world. In other words, it is about saying 
okay, we don't want to make us ourselves richer. We don't want to expand our territories. We want to make the world a better place for everybody. And, you know, that's that's the aspiration. And you could say, well, yeah, I mean, and this is one of the problems, of course, that social innovation and the SDGs suffer from, that people go, yeah, well, it's all aspirational. It's all very nice and lovey-dovey and touchy-feeling, but, but, you know, is it real? Is it hard? And, and I think that, that both of them share that kind of pitfall or that danger. And that means that it's really important for universities to become involved in these areas because we can apply scientific or academic rigor and that kind of legitimacy to things that may be just uh, altruistic. It's not enough to be altruistic. They have to be sustainable. They have to be, you know, it's not just about feeling good. It's about having real impact. So I think that social innovation and the SDGs are part of the same kind of area. But I think that, as I've described it, you know, social innovation is a process in which you achieve the things you want to achieve. I would say the SDGs, as the name suggests, are what we want to achieve. And I think, and I think they're a very good way of categorizing our ambitions, our objectives. So we know what the social innovation means. We know how it ties in with the university's mission. Let's talk a wee bit about your role at GCU, how your role ties in with social innovation. What do you and your team do on a day-to-day -day basis? Whew. Well, <laughs> my team do a lot of fantastic things in different areas. And, and it's a really cruel question because, because I might miss one of them out. And I think <laughs> I do that. But what we've, what we've tried to do, and, and I should explain as, as a bit of context, that when I became Director of Research and Innovation, before that I was Director of a Europe office, and the Europe office basically helped academics and sometimes students engage with Europe, um, and we also developed our own projects, and most of those were, were focused on social innovation. Then you might have heard, I don't know whether you've heard about it, this thing called Brexit, um, and um, uh, it's very difficult to have a Europe office when, when uh, Brexit has happened. Um, so I confess that, that when Cam Donaldson offered me the job, I was not really that enthusiastic about, about taking it on it, because it's a hard job. And I was very happy running the Europe office, but I had to be realistic. And I also had to be realistic for the team who you know, obviously they needed uh, they, to continue their jobs and how could they do it. So, so I think it's important to, to remember that, that the What's Research and Innovation Office is an office that's an amalgamation of two offices um, that we've worked very hard to kind of join. And I think the team has done a fantastic job of working together. So what we have now, I would say, is an office with five pillars. Um, the first is research excellence, and everything has to begin with research excellence, and, and we've just come out of the research excellence framework, which has been our way of trying to demonstrate to the funders um, that we are capable of doing excellent research. And that's, um, you know, don't underestimate the challenges of this, because we're a modern university. We don't have uh, the, the history and the the kind of depth that, say, University of Edinburgh does. We, we're like the Greek football team. We've got some good players, um, maybe not so much depth on the bench, you know? So research excellence is an important one. The second part of this kind of circle is, is knowledge exchange. And knowledge exchange in its kind of traditional sense is, as I was saying, it's about this innovation, which is commercial innovation, working with companies and everything, but knowledge exchange has a wider area. 
as I've explained. So we have a pillar dedicated to social innovation. And so we have somebody who is absolutely dedicated to, to finding these new partnerships and seeing how we can do it. We have a, a, a fourth pillar, um, which is about entrepreneurship and including social entrepreneurship. And, and that that's comes through the, um, the what's called at the moment, UHatch, the, the incubation space that, we, that plays a, a big role. I'm realizing as I'm saying, I said we had five, but, but, but actually as we move, it's kind of five or six. So, so forgive me for that. So we also have the European pillar. So basically we are still, despite Brexit, there are still fund, funding opportunities in Europe and we have a new program that we have to promote and help, help our academics access. And then finally, we also have the, the Global Challenges and Sustainable Development Unit, which is the, the final pillar, which is basically international projects. So we've got, we, it's, it's a very difficult thing to get your head around, but a lot of our projects are European funded, but they're actually from all over the world. So we have a social innovation network in Latin America. We have another one in Southeast Asia. And although these were originally EU funded, we're continuing them and, and we've, we've got a platform called Glocal, where we've got well over 300 members from 40 different countries. And this is kind of a, like a base that we're then able to, to kind of uh, create new projects and access new funding. So, so that is, now we're doing this in the context of a continually changing landscape in, term, in terms of funding. Just one more thing that I've, I've talked about those pillars, but that sounds as though like, um, it's forgetting the stuff that goes in the back office, which is kind of horizontal. So, you know, we have the pure system, which is the, our kind of awards management system and recording the research. Every time somebody does a piece of research, it needs to be approved. There's a process to doing that. It involves costings, it involves mathematics that I'm totally incapable of. And, and anybody who works with me knows that I, I need some really good people behind me because I'm very bad at uh, um, committing sins. So we have a whole team and, and also the whole contract stuff and, and legal, legal background to this. So the office of 12 people has a lot of different responsibilities dotted around and, and I'm enormously impressed with how they've kind of like taken all this on board and let me kind of just sit, sit back and, and watch it happen. There's two projects that your team were recently involved in, two social innovation projects, and one of them saw the university join a million euro partnership. And we've been awarded funding from the European Union Programme for Employment and Social Innovation to set up a national social innovation competence centre in the UK. Now, this sounds really interesting. Could you explain what this is? Okay, so th this is um, a project that's come about as a result of, of several years working in the, the space internationally and nationally in, in terms of supporting social innovation. I don't mean just my office, I mean, you know, many people around the university and the Unicenter. Is. Yeah. Now, despite Brexit, we were able to be part of a programme under, yes, the Employment and Social Innovation Programme with the European Commission has um, developed a programme whereby each country in Europe has one centre which is responsible for social innovation within that country 
promoting social innovation, developing partnerships with social innovation and, and overseeing the activities of, of social innovation within the country. In order to become eligible to apply for it, I mean, this is not, not you know, it's just before you could get to the stage of applying for it, you had to be endorsed and only one organization per country could be in, could be endorsed so scottish government endorsed glasgow caledonian university to take part in the project but also uh it was confirmed by other management authorities in england etc so so we became the partner the uk partner and so we we were with other organizations in estonia in sweden in uh, denmark um, and in poland if you can imagine a lot of countries going around and say, would you like to come in my project? Or would you like to come in my project? And so we had a group and we were quite happy to coordinate, but we realized it wasn't a good idea because of Brexit. So, so we, we didn't want to jeopardize the consortium. And eventually um, some German partners came to us and, and we kind of negotiated. And so we decided they should, they should coordinate the project. And so it's basically a project with uh, eventually we've got Germany, Poland, Denmark and Estonia. But we also will be working with all the other different uh, consortia around Europe. But the idea is that we will um, help to galvanize social innovation, not just within universities, but across the ecosystem, if you like, so that you know, social enterprises and funders and uh, local and regional governments are all um, being informed about how they can become involved in social innovation. The term Brexit has come up a few times in this conversation, Mark, and it's always viewed through a negative lens. Are there any positives, any opportunities for social innovation that might arise through leaving the European Union? I'm banned of mentioning that word at Christmas in my family home. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult for me because, because I invested most of my life in European-funded programmes. And I would like to say that that was now replaced with nationally funded programs of equal value but unfortunately at least up to now, till now it hasn't happened but i'm going to try i'm going to try really hard <laughs> yeah and i would say that every change it forces you to adapt and it forces you to re look at what you're doing and how you might do it better and i think that this this double kind of whammy of of brexit and covid is probably after a lot of pain and 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 heartache and, and and more changes still to come without a doubt i think um out of it i hope will come something better i still think probably the the, the thing better will be us somehow re-engaging with europe maybe as we were before or something but i think it's really important that we have an international outlook mm -hmm. and i think that Although I'm absolutely European, I am international. And, and, you know, I mean, for me, it was very much about how we could engage across the world and also locally. Um, and and that actually leads me on to the, the next project there, because this is a local project. This saw the university join with Glasgow City Council on their Horizon 2020 project. This was with Connecting Nature and Local Social Enterprise, the Melting Pot's Good Ideas, to launch a new nature-based accelerator programme. Tell me about that. What is a nature-based accelerator programme? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's an interesting question. I think that it's very much in, in keeping with, with, with what we're interested in, in terms of how knowledge can be used 
for the common good, how it can be used. And in this, this sense, I mean, uh, in, 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 in kind of developing initiatives and companies that are really looking at uh, green issues and, and, and nature-based solutions. Now, I also think that the, the interesting thing about this project is we're not involved as a, a kind of funded partner. So we're not coming in saying how much money we can make of this. We're basically um, using our networks and our experience to kind of to help engage academics, um, but engage the community within this project. We've been um, like gently working with uh, the City Council's um, Centre for Civic Innovation for about one or two years now not doing anything specific but just looking at how we can help and how we can support it so yeah i think it's a really interesting project it's not a project that i can say hey we brought in a million uh, pounds or anything like that but i think it's equally important and i think that this is this is something that i think is very much one of the models that we have to really develop is how we can make social innovation sustainable for the university how we can kind of benefit our communities with things we have here that is otherwise wasted but we still have to make it sustainable we can't we can't do this as a as a charity because the university has its bottom line especially now after the challenges of the pandemic we have to find ways to do things sustainably so i i think this is a really interesting project we're not investing heavily in it we're just sharing our knowledge and our networks that's probably that's probably the way i would put it are there any other upcoming projects that you and the team are going to be involved in? Well, I, I think my 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 favourite project at the moment, but I'm terrible because I have favourite projects, then I get bored and go to another one. But, <laughs> uh, but my favourite project at the moment is uh, um, one we have uh, um, with a with an interesting acronym, which is Severe, um, which uh, uh, Severe stands for. Uh, if I get it right, it's quite difficult. Social enterprise through virtual engagement and remote entrepreneurship. We conceptualize this project. The other reason I like it is we conceptualized this project in, in March last year for a deadline in April. So we basically, we had seen COVID and we thought, listen, we've got to design a project which really looks at how can we engage remotely and how, we can, how can we be involved in, in helping our students and staff, but students especially, create, develop social innovation projects, but do it um, when they're not able to travel or engage. Um, so basically, it's a partnership between um, six universities. And one of the, the other things I like about this project, uh, four of them are unicenters. So we have a unicenter in Montpellier in France, in Pompeo Fabra in Barcelona, and another one in Florence in Italy. And then two other partners, Dublin City University, which is Ashoka University, um, like us, Changemaker Campus, and also um, the University of Aveiro that we've used, uh, we, we've worked with very often. And the idea is to take 10 students from each of these universities, we bring them together remotely slash face-to-face, and they begin to uh, form small social enterprises or entrepreneurship projects that will work on, on common problems that we have in our cities, but will work in parallel. So if you can imagine there's a, there's a, a social enterprise in, in Portugal, working with, in Florence, working with one in Glasgow, or looking at helping homeless people in, in some similar initiative. And so our 
preparatory workshop, which is really to say to students, would you be interested in being involved? Um, we need to select 10 people. We were hoping to get 40 people to the workshop. We've got 150 signed up so far. Oh, very good. So, so it's fantastic. So, so we have the workshop next week where we're basically taking students through the whole idea and concept of social innovation. And then, and then they'll have a kind of application process and then we'll select 10. And then over the next two years, they will be developing a social innovation enterprise through this project. Excellent. That sounds very exciting. What do you see the future of social innovation being, Mark? How do you see it evolving in the next five, ten years? I remember when I started all this, I used to say, well, it'd be fantastic if, if, if you know, our university could do this. It'd be fantastic if universities could do this. Now I kind of, I, I kind of changed. I know that in five years' time, you can ask me in five years' time, I, I'm, I can guarantee all universities will have a social innovation office like they have a research and innovation office now or, or a knowledge exchange so knowledge exchange for commercialization they will have the same service for social innovation i'm absolutely convinced by it so so i think social innovation is here to say it might people might not have that terminology or depending on who you are it doesn't don't people don't need to use the term but that process will be absolutely intrinsic to universities i'm convinced now, before we finish, Mark, I wanted to ask you about your second life, as it were. According to your profile on the GCU website, you're a very prolific writer. You've written and directed more than 20 plays. You've written four unpublished novels, and you completed the university's MATV fiction writing course with distinction. I'm just out of breath listing off those things. Can you talk to me about your passion for writing? Well, I, I, this is this is a terrible confession. A lot of people will think I shouldn't be in the job I do. I actually studied fine art and theatre. So um, I lived in Spain for 17 years, where I where I basically worked a bit in the university teaching translation, and I created multilingual plays. So we had um, up to about 15 different languages all in in the same play, and we toured around Spain doing these kind of plays. And um, and uh, my first boss in in a uh, innovation office, research and innovation office in Salamanca, he asked me to work with him. And he said, I asked him why, and he said, because you do a play, so you know how to start from zero and then get to the point at the end. <laughs> it was an interesting, an interesting idea. So so yeah, so I've always written, and and when I when I worked in started working here in, in Cali, I, I I stopped doing plays. And concentrated on novels, so I think I've, I think I've, I think I might have done six novels. I, I've, I've lost count. I do it for enjoyment. I probably don't do enough um, to to sell it. And and since I did the MET MATV, uh, which is fantastic, and um, I've done quite a few kind of screenplays. I'm I'm right. I'm working a lot at the moment with a with a writer who does who, if anybody speaks Gaelic, he used to be the showrunner for Bannon which was the Gaelic long-running drama, ser drama series. And at the moment, I'm working on a, a thing called El Rey, which is about an ex-Glaswegian cop who's living on the Costa del Sol. And he has three daughters trying to bring him back to Britain because he's getting a bit old. And uh, But he just like likes living the Costa del Sol and kind of acts as a minder and fixer and helps people out in the Costa del Sol, a bit like... Um, if anybody remember Minder, it would be Minder on the Costa del Sol. <laughs> is that something you're looking to do then, Marcus, to sell your work commercially? Like you, you mentioned there about how the, the novels are really for yourself more than anyone else. Is, is that an ambition to, to try and make money, to try and sell it to like a, a network or anything like that? I'm, I'm too old to be, be ambitious. <laughs> 
in and have a live a peaceful life. I mean, to me, I always say to my wife, I'm the luckiest person because I think you have three parts of your life. You have like your your family, the people you love, and and you have your job. But it's really important you have that second tier that when you lose your job, when you retire or whatever, you've still got something to keep you going. And I know that um, I'll be writing all my life. I might not be working Cali all my life. Mark, that was absolutely brilliant to have you in the show. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you. There's nothing better than talking about myself. I love it. <laughs> and I'd also like to thank everyone for listening to this episode. And I hope you can join us again soon when we will be in conversation with another member of staff from Glasgow Caledonian University. In the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on all other major platforms. Until then, I've been Craig Telfer, and this has been The Common Good Podcast. Mm -hmm.